Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to episode number 149 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph. And yes, I said good morning because currently it is 9 in the morning as I'm recording this on Friday, July 1st. We are already midway through 2022. And I feel like we say this all the time. Wow, I can't believe it's already July. And then here comes October. Wow, it's already Halloween. And then, oh my God, it's Thanksgiving and the holidays. Uh, Years... Years kind of fly by before we know it, but I feel like uh, days and weeks are long, but months are short, right? And usually people, the phrase is like, oh, my day is long, but the week is short. I never understood that expression until I started uh, Murph's Cartown and Sports Shop. And I completely understand that expression now because, you know, most days I'm here eight hours a day, whether I'm recording the podcast or recording uh, a YouTube video and then obviously operating the shop for eight hours a day. Like, you know, I'm at the shop for a good nine hours-ish, give or take. And, you know, I'm at the shop between 55 and 60 hours a week. And, you know, that's a long week for, just generally speaking, and most people. But, you know, come Monday night, when it's time to clock out for, for Monday night and Tuesday, I guess, because the shop's closed on Tuesdays, it's like, wow, we're already here. It's, eight, uh, whatever, I don't know where I'm going with this. But, um... Yeah, I usually don't say good morning. I usually say what's going on, everybody. But the shop is open, so I guess a little bit about house cleaning real quick. The shop is open today, July 1st, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. So I need to get this episode recorded before 10 a.m. so I can get it out to the public before then just because the shop is going to open at 10 in the morning and I'm not going to be able to record at 10, 30, 11 in the morning like I usually do for uh, Merce Boston Sports Talk episodes, where on Friday I traditionally open at noon. So, kind of have to accelerate the process here. Not necessarily go quick with everything, but you know, just kind of bump things on, bump the timeline up like two hours or so. So, that's what we're doing here. Uh, housekeeping yes, the shop is open 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. today, which I already mentioned. Kim's friend has a wedding to uh, that we need to attend today, and that wedding starts at 4. Very odd time. So I do apologize. Obviously, it's a one-man show here with the help of Kim and my mother, who some of you have met uh, both of them or at least one of them, and neither of them are able to work at the shop today. So, yeah, so the shop has to close early, unfortunately, but we had a fantastic trade night the night before, and I love trade night, and I'm just saying I talk about it periodically here on the podcast, Murph's Boston Sports Talk how much I love connecting with the hobby and I kind of use this podcast as a way for me to connect with sports enthusiasts, not necessarily card enthusiasts or just sports enthusiasts, Boston sports maybe more specifically because it's just, you know, I can, my outlet with this podcast is just about anywhere. Obviously at the shop that is true as well, but people have to come to me whereas each episode can go to you. So it's just another way for me to kind of connect with people in a different facet here with the podcast. But with trade night, 
absolutely love it. And obviously, if you are a goer to Murph's Car Town Sports Shop and a listener to Murph's Boston Sports Talk, then you'll you'll 100% know what I'm saying. But trade night was fantastic last night. It was a blast to be able to buy, sell, and trade with other people, excuse me, in the community and to see other people in the community buy, sell, and trade with each other, whether they're familiar folks or whether they're just meeting each other for the first time. One of the glories of trade night is to be able to interconnect yourself with the community one way or the other. And I do strongly believe that trade night absolutely does that. And it is by far the most exciting time of the month. If you're a sports card collector in the New England area, people from all over New England come on down to the shop for trade night because that's how awesome it is. And these aren't my words. These are other people's words telling me where they're coming from. Uh, Massachusetts, Connecticut, obviously Rhode Island. Um, I guess Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont are a little bit further, but I've had people from those three states come to the shop in general. So it was a blast. I can't wait to upload the pickup video. I can't wait to upload the trade night vlog. So definitely stay tuned for that, guys. And if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, Murph's Cartown Sports Shop, definitely go do that. Obviously, if you're listening to Murph's Boston Sports Talk on YouTube, I'd like to think you're already subscribed, but if you're listening to this episode or this podcast on audio-only platforms, then you're definitely gonna gonna you're definitely gonna want to go subscribe to the YouTube channel as well because there's a ton of great content, sports, hobby, shop-related content, all across my YouTube channel. So I definitely do believe you're going to enjoy that as well if you haven't checked it out already. So I was at Market Basket this morning, right? Real quick story before we get into uh. Uh, our headlines and just to kind of give you a little tease we're going to be talking about the Bruins and their uh, expected hiring of Jim Montgomery we're going to be talking about the NBA free agency and that flurry that we had yesterday obviously some news the Celtics could be getting a superstar quote-unquote a superstar depending on if people think he's washed up or not and then we're going to just chat about the Red Sox a little bit it's gonna be a nice easy breezy day we're going to try to cover you know the Bruins, Celtics, and the Red Sox, of course. Nothing crazy for the Patriots just yet in terms of news coming out of Foxborough. But I was at Market Basket today, and I was going to pick up a breakfast sandwich, obviously for breakfast. And I look at the the cafe thing, and they have a iced chai latte. And I love iced chai lattes. I really do. Ask ask him. I love them, love them, love them. But I'm not like a basic where it's like, oh, can I get this, da 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 and it's like a dessert, kind of like at Mary Lou's or some some people with, with Dunkin' Coffees. Just give me a nice iced chai, vanilla latte, whatever, almond milk or whatever. And I asked him, I was like, can I get an iced chai latte, please? And like, oh, we don't have any. I'm like, no, I, I haven't had one of yours yet, and I really want to try it. And I was just all earth shattered. So I just got a regular iced tea. Need a little, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I just need a little bit of caffeine to kind of help me through this uh, through this morning because I didn't leave the shop. Last night until like 10.30, I was here at the shop at 9, and obviously when you have two dogs, you don't sleep particularly well, but uh, I'm not here to complain about that. Let's get into sports, because I've been talking for seven minutes, and I'm sure you guys either care or don't care about anything I've said so far, but let's dive into the Boston Bruins expecting to hire Jim Montgomery as their new head coach. So we have a fresh article from ESPN that released last night at 8.48 p.m. Eastern Time by Kristen Shilton and Greg Wyshynski. That's a tough one. Wyshynski, that's a very tough one to say. Titled, Boston Bruins expected to bring on Jim Montgomery as new head coach, sources say. And I haven't read this article yet, so let's just dive into it together. It's not a very long one. It's very short, actually. But I do believe this is a topic that we should be discussing since it immediately, directly impacts the Boston Bruins. Uh, The Boston Bruins are set to name Jim Montgomery as their new head coach, sources told ESPN on Thursday, confirming multiple reports. The appointment is expected to be made official Friday, the same day Montgomery's contract as an existing coach with the St. Louis Blues expires. The the 53-year-old Montgomery replaces Bruce Cassidy, who was fired by the Bruins on June 7th after six seasons behind the bench. Cassidy has since been named head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. And I think I did drew the math out that Cassidy was jobless for six days. (laughs) I mean, he's a good coach. He has been consistent. 
with the Bruins getting them to the playoffs in, I believe, all six years, made it to, the obviously, the Stanley Cup Finals in 2019, lost to the Blues. Um, but I think this past year for Cassidy was, I think, a really good one. The Bruins uh, started off hot. They, cold, they sizzled out. They were out a bit. They battled back. He made some adjustments on the uh, the first line, moving Pasternak down, Jake DeBrusque up. He obviously, you know, alternated the goalies very frequently. Even in the playoffs, he took out Olmark and put in Swayman. So I think Cassidy did everything he could as the Bruins head coach, specifically this past year. Was his firing warranted? Well, if you're treading water for six years, making it to the playoffs, but making no real noise, outside of 2019 then you could probably say that you're just treading water and you need a new voice in there and hey this is for the decision makers to make um for the bruins not me but if uh if cassidy goes then why hasn't sweeney gone and obviously sweeney's his buddy buddies with cam neely but it's still a question to be asked right but anyways um cassidy is now with the vegas golden knights after being jobless for six days the Boston gig will be Montgomery's second NHL head coaching job. He was hired by Dallas in May 2018 and immediately took the Stars back to the playoffs for the first time in three years. But Montgomery's tenure in Dallas didn't last long. On December 10, 2019, he was fired by the Stars for, quote, unprofessional conduct inconsistent with the core values and beliefs of the Dallas Stars and National Hockey League, end quote. General Manager Jim Nill said there was a, quote, material act of unprofessionalism, end quote, that led to Montgomery's firing without elaborating further. Very interesting, right? Um, obviously, this is something that you do need to take into account when you're either considering this guy or looking into this guy or even interviewing this guy and, and bringing it up. And obviously, I'm going to assume that the Bruins did their due diligence when going through the interview process with the other head coaching candidates and Jim Montgomery as well. And I'm assuming that this was brought up, and Montgomery probably told them his side of what happened. Could he have said something to upset the general manager? What did he say something to upset the owner? Was he, you know, just coaching the guys the wrong way? I mean, I don't know what it was, but they made it to the playoffs the year before. Yeah, what was it? First time in three years, correct? Prior to that, yeah, first time in three years. So I mean, is Jim Montgomery a head coach? A good head coach? He's got a small sample size, but he was able to take the Dallas Stars to the playoffs uh, in 2018. So I, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I, I really do want to know what that uh, material act of unprofessionalism was. Like, did he dress the wrong way? Was he saying the wrong things? Um, was he just, you know, his philosophy and coaching just not, you know, lining up with the teams? Very interesting. I'm sure it's going to get brought up in a press conference. Uh, when the Bruins officially make Jim Montgomery their head coach and they have that introductory press conference. All right. On January 3rd, 2020, Montgomery announced that he was checking into rehab for alcohol abuse. In September 2020, the Blues hired Montgomery to serve as an assistant under head coach Greg uh, Berube. Montgomery was primarily involved in special teams, helping St. Louis to rank second overall, 25.5% on the power play, excuse me and 10th at 81.3% on the penalty kill the past two seasons. Now, obviously, we could circle back to Montgomery's alcohol abuse as his material act of unprofessionalism. But again, could that just be kind of a... I mean, if he's checking it, I mean, I don't know the story in its full entirety, so please don't quote me on this. But if he's checking himself in because maybe he has a personal issue... You know, good for him, different story. If he was getting fired for this and, you know, fired for the alcoholism and then it circles back that he checked into rehab because he lost his job for it, then that definitely, own you know, owns the right to have some questions. I mean, he got fired on December 10th and he checks in on December on January 3rd. Obviously, I would like to think he's sober, but obviously that this is going to be something that we do have to keep in mind moving forward. Yes, alcohol can cause you to be disorientated, say some things that you're not supposed to say. It can get you in the wrong frame of mind, the, you know, the wrong mentality. So these are things that are going to have to be considered when officially making him the head coach and how the team is coached 
moving forward because, you know, say the Bruins go on a losing streak or whatever, all it takes is one sip for someone to relapse. And, you know, it's an un, it's a sad truth, but it is kind of the way that, you know, a situation like this works. All it takes is one sip for someone to relapse on alcohol. And if he did get fired for alcohol abuse and he did go into rehab and he's, I'm, like to think he's now sober. Obviously, it's not like oh, I'm trying to find the the right words here. It's not like someone. I'm just trying to think of the right words here. Like I I do believe Montgomery. Uh, obviously, you know, the statistics with the St. Louis Blues on the power play and the PK is going to serve the Bruins very well. Bruins have had a fantastic uh, penalty kill for ten years now. Their power play really suffered big time. I know 5-on-5 was a big issue for them going into last year. They kind of fixed it, kind of sizzled out a little bit. But overall, is Montgomery the right coach with all things considered? Do you need a special teams-orientated coach? Do you need a more offensive-minded coach? Do you need a defensive-minded coach? Quite frankly, I would probably think that the Bruins need an offensive-minded coach just because you do need to score a lot of goals. The Bruins, outside of Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand, do tend to struggle with scoring goals from their secondary scoring. We were able to see that towards the end of uh, the regular season last year, that their secondary scoring was starting to take a step up a little bit. However, overall, the past, like I said, I don't want to say 10 years, but at least like the past five years or so, it has been a struggle. Uh, you, It was a struggle to find Krejci a right wing that could shoot the puck. During the 2019 Stanley Cup run, you couldn't get anything out of your top line. And it ultimately served you to have to lose the Stanley Cup Finals because you couldn't get goal, uh, goals scored by anyone else besides that top line. And that top line struggled on top of it. So I just, there's a lot of question marks behind Jim Montgomery. And I'm not going to say he's not going to be a great head coach. He had some small success with Dallas. He obviously has some success being a special teams coordinator with the St. Louis Blues. But these are going to be question marks that are going to loom the Bruins if anything was to go awry. But let me continue with the article. Uh, Montgomery was a player himself appearing in 122 NHL games from 1993 to 2003 between the Blues, the Montreal Canadiens, the Philadelphia Flyers, San Jose Sharks, and the Dallas Stars. He recorded 9 goals and 34 points, so not the greatest of player. After hanging up his skates, Montgomery made several successful coaching stops prior to rejoining the NHL ranks. He was head coach of the United States Hockey League's du... I don't know how to say that. <laughs> du Bouquet Fighting Saints from 2010 to 2013, guiding the club to the league championship in 2010-11 and 2012-13. In 2013, Montgomery was named head coach at the University of Denver and led the Pioneers to a national championship in 2017. Montgomery was also voted the National Coach of the Year for the 2016-17 season. Boston is coming off its sixth consecutive playoff appearance, which ended in a first-round loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. Montgomery will be the 29th head coach in the original Sixes franchise history. So, that is... The latest out of the Bruins camp with, you know, their head coaching hiring of Jim Montgomery. Definitely interesting hire. I mean, he does have a good resume. But again, is this the right fit for the Bruins with all things considered? Definitely let me know. Reach out to me via social media at Murph's Card Town on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or leave a comment down below in the comment section if you're listening to this on YouTube. But... Let's jump over to NBA free agency as we had a plethora of moves already made. Nothing crazy high-end just yet, but there has been some minor shockwaves that has kind of rippled around the uh, the NBA. I don't want to get too much into it, but I do kind of want to just breeze through all of the moves that have been made. I just want to make sure... That they're all here. I believe they're all here. Uh, let's see. Let's see. I'm just trying to look for it. All right. Uh, Jalen Brunson plans to sign a four-year deal with the Knicks. Four years for $110 million. Uh, Malik Monk to sign a two-year $19 million deal with the Sacramento Kings. Um, P.J. Tucker is heading to the Philadelphia 76ers. A fully guaranteed deal for three years, $32.2 million. 
Uh, Victor Oladipo returns his heat on a one-year $11 million deal, which I thought he could have done better, but okay. Uh, Nicholas Batum is going to stick with the, uh, the Sixers, two years, $22 million. Mo Bamba returning to the Magic, two years, $21 million. Isaiah Hartenstein um, going to the Knicks for two years, $16 million. Um, Anthony Simmons to sign a four-year, $100 million extension with the Trailblazers. Um, Bobby Portis returning to the Milwaukee Bucks, four years, $49 million. Which, again, I think he could have done better. Possible hometown discount. I think the Celtics could have absolutely used a guy like Bobby Portis. A guy off the bench who can give you a little bit of offense, give you some defense. But most importantly, rebounding. Offensive rebounding. And when Rob Williams is on the court for the Celtics, you get a ton of great offensive uh, second chance opportunities. But when he's off the court, I think there's a big gap between him and, say, Tice or Horford in terms of the offensive glass. And I think bringing in Bobby Portis, who can hammer the offensive glass, which we saw firsthand in the Milwaukee Bucks series, but also give you a little bit of shooting, give you a little bit of defense, and just someone that's an overall good player. But four years, $49 million for him. I think that's a great deal going back to the Bucks. Uh, Joe Inglis uh, joining the Bucks. Is there information on the contract? A one-year deal, but there's no price. Is it Joe Inglis? I don't know if it's Joe Inglis or not. Uh, let's see. It just says Ingles. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, it is Joe Ingles. Okay, um, let's see. Lugens Dort Thunder agree to a new deal for five years, $87.5 million. Marvin Bagley re-signing with the Detroit Pistons, three years, $37 million. Patty Mills staying with Brooklyn. Uh, he opted out of a $6.2 million option to become an unrestricted free agent. And him and the Nets agreed to a two-year, $14.5 million extension. Don't worry, guys. We only got a few more left. Uh, JaVale McGee is going to join the Dallas Mavericks. Three years, $20.1 million. Again, another guy I think the Celtics could have used. Rebounder, defender, rim protector, someone that can come off the bench and provide a little bit of extra defense. Again, protecting the rim if Rob Williams is not playing or if he's just you know on the bench. I think having a guy like another Rob Williams 2.0 who was kind of like Rob Williams before Rob Williams, JaVale McGee in his heyday, to be able to just go up and just swat the ball, go up and catch you know lobs and throw them down. I do believe the Celtics could have really used him. Three years, $20.1 million. I don't know if I think the Celtics, for the Celtics, it would have been a good deal to kind of offer something similar. Um, but he's more than likely going to be a starter in Dallas where he wouldn't be a starter here in Boston. Uh, Jalen Brunson, we already mentioned. Uh, let's see. Uh, Andre Drummond finalizing a deal with the Chicago Bulls. There's no details on that deal just yet. Gary Payton, the second is possibly going to the Portland Trailblazers uh, for potential one-year $8 million contract. So good for him, just bouncing around the league, being in and out, getting cut and all that, and then becoming a champion and being a part of that champion-winning team with the Golden State Warriors, and a big part of that team. He wasn't just like a sludge. You know, he actually played you know, great defense, was able to grab boards and such. I mean, Celtics fans, we saw it firsthand what Gary Payton was able to bring to the table when he was on the court for the Golden State Warriors. And then the big one that is going to segue us into our next topic is Kevin Durant has requested a trade, and the Brooklyn Nets general manager, Sean Marks, is working to find a deal for the superstar. And that brings us to our next headline, or our next topic here. Should the Celtics pursue Kevin Durant? Now, it's already been stated that Phoenix in Miami are they among the two teams that are on Kevin Durant's wish list. Now, let's think back to when Kyrie Irving, I know, whoa, boo. When Kyrie Irving first requested a trade from the Cleveland Cavaliers all those years ago, basically seems like so long ago, <coughs> excuse me, that, first of all, he wasn't a headache at the time, and you know Celtics fans really wanted him. And we all have to admit, we really did want Kyrie Irving, at least the general... Celtics fan base wanted Kyrie Irving because he was a superstar. He was an amazing player to watch. He wasn't a headache. You know, he was a champion. Made that clutch shot against the Warriors in that finals game. Celtics fans really wanted Kyrie Irving at that time. And Kyrie Irving's wish list, I 
think was maybe at the time like the Heat, the Lakers, uh, the Knicks maybe. But the Celtics weren't on it. And then the Celtics slide in there and they trade for Kyrie Irving. And that was a great deal at the time. I don't think they had to give up Isaiah Thomas. But nonetheless, Celtics got Kyrie Irving. At the time, it was a good deal. And at the time, we were excited. Now looking back, hindsight's 2020. Let's just leave it at that. Kevin Durant has a wish list of two teams being Phoenix, one being Phoenix and the other being Miami. Again, Celtics aren't on this list, but there are heavy rumors that the Celtics are linked to possibly bring in Kevin Durant. Do Celtics fans want Kevin Durant? I ask people here at the shop all the time or people ask me and they beat me to the punch. Oh, do you want Kevin Durant on the Celtics? Do you think the Celtics should go after him? And this is my stance on it. I personally don't want Kevin Durant just because, first of all, I don't want that contract. I mean, if the contract was a fraction of what it is, then yeah, sign me up for Kevin Durant, a top five, top 10 player in the NBA. Yeah, he's taking, you know, he's huge step back. But still, I think it'd be a great addition to this team. But there's rumors out there that the only way to get this done or to entice Brooklyn is to offer Jalen Brown. And that's where I draw the line. The new Super Beats Heart Shoes Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That is where I draw the line is I want nothing to do with the Kevin Durant trade if it involves Jalen Brown. Obviously, Jason Tatum's untouchable. And all these trade rumors between the Celtics uh, and a bunch of these superstars or just simply between Tatum and Brown is, you know, by splitting them up is shipping Jalen Brown out. Now, I strongly don't believe the answer is shipping Jalen Brown out. Yes, he had his uh, ball handling issues and his free throw line issues over the course of the playoffs. But overall, he was an excellent player. He was lights out um, in moments. And I think getting a taste of the NBA Finals and being so close and not giving up in Game 6, dropping 34 points, being a show out where Tatum was a no-show, I think really says a lot about that guy's character. And he's on a great contract right now. Like two years left for $25 million. Like I do think he's worth that. Again, you don't know uh, in a couple of years from now if he's going to resign or not or how much he's going to be worth then. But I still don't think you should be trading him for, what, four years of Kevin Durant for stupid, stupid money? Here's a tweet from Adrian Wojnarowski, you know, Woj. Phoenix and Miami are among two of the teams that Kevin Durant has on his wish list. Again, no Celtics. Sources tell ESPN, but the Nets plan to move Durant where they can get the best possible deal. With four years on his contract, there's no shortage of teams willing to unload assets for Durant. Now, yes, he does have team control. But ultimately, how desirable is team control? We see this all the time. Players will sign a contract. Halfway through, they want out. Look at Ben Simmons. Look at uh, James Harden. Kevin Durant right now. It just, if a guy has one year left on his deal, then yeah, trading him away makes sense. Or if a team is willing to trade that player away, fine. We see it all the time in in baseball specifically. But at a blink of an eye, any player with any term left on their contract can just say, oh, I'm requesting a trade. I don't want to be here anymore. You know, whatever. It, it, it happens all the damn time. So with four years left on his contract, yes, you don't have to worry about free agency for four years, which is a good, that's a plus. But a guy like Kevin Durant, a low-key prima donna, he's 33 years old. The last year of his contract is going to be worth $50 million. Again, you know the salary cap is going to go up a little bit, but is it worth it? No, I, I don't think so. If the contract was half of what it is, just cut every number in half, sign me up. 
but again, not at the chance of losing Jalen Brown. Um, it's just, I, I, I understand why bringing in a guy like Kevin Durant on what it could do for the Celtics. It could really take a step up for this team. But why, but why would you risk everything? Your team is homegrown. Every single player on your team is homegrown with the exception of Derek White and Al Horford. Right. Well, you see the 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 role uh, the 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 players, that the starters, the role players, right? The, you know, the main guys. Tatum, you drafted. Brown, you drafted. Smart, you drafted. Uh Rob Williams, you drafted. You drafted Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, you drafted. Again, you tr- uh Daniel Tice, you even drafted. <laughs> well, you signed from Germany, but still. That's from Germany. That kind of counts as homegrown, right? because he wasn't on a team before. Yeah, you traded him away and you brought him back. But again, Al Horford, who you did sign all those years ago, but you did bring him back in. And then Derek White, who you brought in. And it works. It gels. It mixes. It's not a a, a superstar team or anything that was built on free agency like the Miami Heat of you know the early 2010s. Or it's not like the Brooklyn Nets as of recently with Kyrie Durant. And then eventually they brought in James Harden. It's not like LeBron James going out to L.A. and bringing Anthony Davis with them or having the Lakers trade for Anthony Davis. It's not like that. And I guess if you want, you can say the Celtics built a, a superstar big three team in 2007. Fine. Okay, fine. You can say it. But, like, the Warriors, for instance, they're a homegrown team. I mean, yeah, they brought in Kevin Durant, but they didn't need Kevin Durant. But he certainly helps, and he did help. But Curry, they drafted. Clay Thompson, they drafted. Draymond Green, they drafted. So it just, it looks so good and it feels so good that your team is homegrown and you've struggled. You, you, well, first of all, you brought in the superstars. You brought in Al Horford. You brought in Gordon Hayward. You brought in Kyrie Irving. You brought in Kemba Walker. And there was times where it worked, but ultimately it did not work to the point where you traded Al Horford away originally. You, uh, Gordon Hayward rejected his player option. He signed with Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Kyrie Irving signed away. You had to trade Kemba Walker, ironically bringing back Al Horford. But at the end of the day, Jalen Brown drafted. Jason Tatum drafted. Peyton Pritchard drafted. Grant Williams drafted. Rob Williams drafted. Marcus Smart drafted. Daniel Tice, you brought in when he was really a nobody. That's seven guys. That's seven homegrown guys that are integral parts to your team who were two wins away from an NBA championship. What team can say that, that they're that homegrown? Maybe teams like in the 60s and the 70s, early on when, you know, free agency wasn't a crazy thing and trading you know, all these picks and players wasn't a crazy thing at that time where, as it is now. But no team can say that. And you have such great chemistry. Halfway through the season, the Celtics sucked and they weren't going to make the playoffs. They turned it around a complete 180 and they were able to turn themselves into a likable, exciting, fun team to watch and, some, and a team that a lot of people were rooting for outside of Boston. Why would you risk and endanger that to bring in Kevin Durant, whose contract sucks. Let me just pull up the numbers real quick on Kevin Durant's contract. But why would you risk literally everything to trade away a Jalen Brown, to trade away the trade player exception that you have from Evan Fournier? You even brought in Evan Fournier and it didn't work out, and he's gone now. Why would you risk that? Uh, Peyton Pritchard even, which, I mean, I guess he's a movable piece, but, like, bring him in for something that is going to help you more beneficial than what Peyton Pritchard can give you. Don't throw in Peyton Pritchard as a package just to get someone that I think is going to be a plague. Listen to this contract that Kevin Durant has. So 2022-23 will be his age 34 season. And his cap hit is $44.1 million. Next season, twenty or oh, the season after that, 23-24 is age 35 season, $47.6 million cap hit. 2024-25 season, he'll be 36 years old. His cap hit's going to be $51.1 million. 
and his cap hit in 2025-2026, his last year of that contract at age 37, is going to be $54.7 million. Why would you want that contract? Why on God's green earth would you want that contract? And yeah, you could sit here and point to me and say, oh, but Murph, but you wanted John Wall on the team. Okay, well, let me bring up John Wall's contract real quick. Uh, da, 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 da. Obviously, there's rumors he's going to get bought out and he's going to sign with the Clippers. It hasn't been official yet. But John Wall's contract in 2022, 2023 is $40.8 million. That is much, 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 much more doable than paying Kevin Durant, first of all, 44.1 this coming season. But he has four more years left. No guarantee that he's going to stay here. If anything was to go awry, oh, I want to trade. I want to request a trade, and he's gone. But that last year at 37, $54.7 million, no thank you. No thank you. Um, let's see. Let's uh, agree to buyout. Original was forty-seven point three million dollars. He gave back six million, six and a half million dollars. So he got bought out for forty million dollars, but his original number was forty-seven. Okay, fine. That changed the that changed the discussion a little bit. But one year of John Wall at forty-seven million dollars or forty-seven point three million dollars. In order for the Celtics to bring him in, you would have to send Al Horford because of the money to make the money work. The trade player exception, and probably. Like Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith, because in, in some draft picks, or maybe one draft pick, because again, the Rockets are a rebuilding team. They have young assets. I think players uh, like Neesmith or or Pritchard, maybe only takes one, would be a good fit for Houston, a young rebuilding team. Maybe they can you know kind of blossom there. And again, trading Al Horford may not be the most ideal thing, especially where Celtics fans fell in love with him again this year and he fell in love with Boston it would be a slap in the face if you trade him again after him wanting to be in Boston this whole time but to make the money work you would have to do it and again Al Horford has one year left on his contract like 27 or so million dollars but it's not long term and it just I, don't, I think having John Wall and what he can bring to the team would be more beneficial than having Al Horford and what he's going to bring to the team. And again, yes, Al Horford was a defensive staple, veteran leadership, uh, the kind of the the old man in the room kind of a guy. But what can he give you next season after playing all of these extra games in the playoffs, two game seven series and a game six series in the finals? along with playing the majority of the 2021-2022 season. He had fresh legs because he barely played with the Thunder last season as they had him as a healthy scratch because he was too old last season. So going into next year, after playing all these games with the Celtics, what is he going to look like? And plus, you know, him and the, the Rockets could have agreed to a buyout, then he could have come back on a cheaper contract. You know, just, you know, hypotheticals here. So I just don't think it's worth it for the Celtics to bring in Kevin Durant. Now, if you can get him in here for crazy cheap where it's, you know, I, I don't know how the money's going to work, but where you don't have to give up Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum or Rob Williams or Marcus Smart, then we can have a conversation and then we can have a chat about it. But I'm not touching Jalen Brown here. I'm not. I'd rather the Celtics go out and get a Bradley Beal. Again, try to get a John Wall. I think that player just suits what your team needs more than Kevin Durant. I'd rather them see go out and get a, um, before he signed, Bobby Portis. I'd rather see them go out and get Danilo Gallinari or Kevin Hurd or just players like that that can be used on your bench and make an impact with the second unit. Whereas Kevin Durant's going to be a starter and there's going to be too many mouths to feed. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant. Marcus Smart likes to get his shots up every now and then. Too many mouths to feed. Whereas if you can take those assets or whatever and bring in someone like Derek White who can run with the second unit and be a prototypical scorer on the second unit, that just makes way more sense in my opinion. The Celtics don't need Kevin Durant. But does Kevin Durant need the Celtics? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I just... I love. I used to love Kevin Durant. And in 20... Was it 16? When was that? 2017? 
I think it was 2017, when the Celtics were trying to get Kevin Durant before he went to Golden State, I was a big fan of Kevin Durant before he went to Golden State. And then when he went to Golden State, I absolutely hated him. And I've talked about it before. I think it's very snakish that he did that. But he's still a very good player. And I'm not saying I don't, absolutely don't want him. I'm not going to touch him with a 10-foot pole. But I'm not giving up Tatum, Brown, Smart, or Rob Williams for him. I'm not. Any other way to kind of make Kevin Durant to the Celtics work? I'll take a look at it. I'll entertain it. I'll talk about it here on Merv's Boston Sports Talk. I will. But it's just the money just doesn't make sense to me. It does not. I'd rather get a Bradley Beal for that kind of money. I'd rather, I really would. He's younger. He's more what the Celtics need. You know, kind of that shooter, that two, like the, the, the shooting guard. Someone that can drop 50. Obviously, Durant can too. But again, he's getting older. He's breaking down. He's injury prone. Yeah, Bradley Beal's coming off a season-ending wrist injury or season-ending wrist surgery. But still, he's linked to the Celtics with Jason Tatum and their buddy buddies. I just think it would be a way better fit here for the Celtics. Again, players can get can ask for a trade at any given moment. Look at what Kevin Durant's doing. He's asking for a trade right now. Um, another tweet from uh, Woj. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving had no contact with the franchise after Irving opted into his deal on Monday, and a sense of inevitability existed that Durant would eventually ask for a trade, sources tell ESPN. It happened today. Another tweet. Um, Durant requested a trade with the team today, sources tell ESPN. That was the news on yesterday. With, I mean, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving teamed up in Brooklyn on purpose. Obviously, we know that. Celtics, Kyrie Irving, we saw it coming. And then they teamed up, and it hasn't worked. It straight up hasn't worked. And is it Kyrie's fault? Is it Durant's fault? Is it the Brooklyn Nets' fault? Is it Ben Simmons' fault? I have no effing idea. I just, I think there's too much baggage. Not just the contract, but just too much baggage. I don't like it. I'm not going to rant anymore about it. I'm just not a big fan of it. But I do think uh, I mentioned a bunch of players before. I mean, there's still a ton of deals to come out through the NBA, obviously this time next week. We'll have more information and more details to discuss revolving around the Celtics or other teams as well as this time of year is arguably the most exciting time of the year for the NBA. Not a lot of top-tier NBA free agents as we've seen in years past, but still a ton of great players, a bunch of players that teams could use for their roster come next year. But I'll be definitely interested to see where NBA free agency and the Celtics specifically are from a week from now but I do want to jump into the Red Sox before we wrap up today's episode of Merv's Boston Sports Talk as we talked Bruins we talked a bunch of Celtics already but I do want to talk about the Red Sox and their upcoming stretch of games just kind of retroactively to their series with the Cleveland Guardians where they uh, swept the Cleveland Guardians they lost two or three to the Blue Jays on Monday Tuesday Wednesday they were off yesterday and they play the Cubs for a three-game series this weekend. Then they got the Rays. They got the, the New York Yankees. They have the Rays again. They have the Yankees again. They got the Blue Jays, and they got the Guardians, and then they go to play uh, the Milwaukee Brewers at the end of July. This upcoming month of baseball for the Boston Red Sox is going to be crucial and massive. You started off poorly. And you've immensely rebounded, successfully rebounded. But you are at a point where you cannot lose. And you cannot not make the playoffs. Um, American League, let me just look at the wildcard standings real quick. Just so I can stay up to date with my my uh, information. The Celtics are currently up two and a half games with the, Tampa, uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays. On top of the Cleveland Guardians, who I don't think are that good. And on top of the Tampa Bay Rays, who have slipped just a little bit. Uh, they are currently 40 and 35, and the, the Red Sox and Blue Jays sit at 43 and 33, both 12 and a half games behind the Yankees, who are on another planet. But I think they'll come crashing down. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, you got three against the Cubs, who are not a playoff team. So you get a little bit of a you know a little bit of a gimme there, where you know if you sweep them, that'd be fantastic because, like I said, you got three against the Rays potential playoff team you have three against the Yankees I'm sorry four against the Yankees probably a playoff team 
You have four against the Rays following that potential playoff team. So that's 11 games right there. You got another three against the Yankees, 14. You have three against the Blue Jays, potential playoff team, 17. You have four against the Cleveland Guardians. That's 21. And I'm just going to kind of cut it there, you know, because the Brewers and you get into like national. It's just, let's just focus on what we have in front of us here for competitive American League teams. I mean, you could obviously look at the Brewers as well. I mean, they're first place in the National League Central by a game, but I mean, they're still an excellent team. So do you want to throw them in there? I mean, let's throw them in there. Then you got, okay, three against the Brewers. So that's, what was that, 24. Three against the Astros going into August. That's 27. And then I'm going to cut it at the Royals because now we're getting past the trade deadline and I kind of want to stay before the trade deadline here. That's 27 games between now and I'm not even counting the Blue Jays series you just played. I'm not even counting the Cleveland Guardians series that you just played. But you have 27 games from today. I guess if you don't want to count the Cubs series from, but they're still important games. From July 4th, to August, well, where's that last game of that Astro series? August 3rd, you have 27 games against playoff teams. A bunch of them, Rays, Yankees twice, Blue Jays, all American League East divisional opponents who you've struggled against this entire season. Plus, you have a series against the Guardians who've been playing well this year. You have a series against the Astros, who always play you tough and, of course, are leading the American League West. The Brewers, who are leading the National League Central, who are going to be a playoff team. You have tough, 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 tough opponents ahead of you. Again, not including the series you just had against Toronto, which you could easily include into this. You have you had a, a good series against the Cleveland Guardians. Again, I'm not counting it here in that 27-game stretch, but let's just throw those teams in there. That's three. That's three against. That's six. So 27 plus six. Quick math, 33 games. So from June 24th, last Friday, to August 3rd, you're playing 33 games against either definite playoff teams or potential playoff teams. Again, not including three against the Cubs this weekend. Plus you have the trade deadline coming up towards the tail end of that. This is an important stretch for the Boston Red Sox who are currently, let me get back to the American League, who are currently 8-2 in their last 10 games, who lost 2-3 or three to the uh, the Toronto Blue Jays this past week. You are 20-16 uh, at home, 23-17 on the road. You're 43-33 currently. Again, you currently lead the American League wildcard with the Toronto Blue Jays at 12.5 games, 2.5 uh, games, excuse me. This stretch, I cannot emphasize, is so important. You're either going to separate yourself in the wild card, maybe catch some ground on the Yankees if they can kind of cool off a bit. Who are six and four in the last ten, still pretty good. Or you're going to, since you're playing a lot of uh, American League East teams who you have struggled against this year, are going to collapse, and you're going to look more like that team from April and that team from the beginning of May. That's what that's what's going to happen. You're either going to catch ground on the Yankees slash separate yourself in the wild card standings. Or you're going to abysmally fall off the face of the earth. Because again, most of the teams that you are playing are the Yankees, the Blue Jays again, and the Rays of several times. And you're not good against the American League East this year. Plus, you're going against teams like the Guardians, who are a potential playoff team. And you're going against the Brewers, who lead the National League Central. And you're going against the Houston Astros, who lead the American League West. It's going to be a bumpy month of July. And we're going to need the absolute best of baseball from the Boston Red Sox. But the question is, will we get that type of play from them? Will we? What team will we see? Will we see the Red Sox from April and early May, where they were 19 and 29 or whatever the hell the record that was? Or are we going to – Oh no, what was it? No, it was like 9 and 21. That was like – I think their worst. I think their worst was 9 and 21. Or are we going to see the team that has been absolutely been killing it since like uh, the middle of May or like wh wherever it was, the end of May, whenever they started to turn around and go on their insane stretch, where they're currently 43 and 33. Uh, let's do a quick math here. That is uh, 34 and 12 since 9 and 21. They're 34 and 12 since they were 9 and 21. 
what team are we going to get over the next month or so? Because whatever team we get is going to defy the Red Sox 2022 campaign. Because, again, as you go into August, you get to play the the, the Royals, the Braves, the Orioles, uh, the, yeah, the, Orioles uh, the Yankees again, the Pirates who are playing tough, the Blue Jays, the Rays again, the Twins, the Rangers. I mean, that's all in August. So, like, it's back and forth between the competition. And you can't adjust whoever you're playing on your schedule. And it's not your fault whoever you play on your schedule. But when your schedule looks like what it does in July, you need to make the most of it. Because, again... You're playing against. You're playing seven against the Yankees. You're playing seven against the Toronto, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. You're playing another three against the Blue Jays, who just smacked you. You play four against the Guardians, three against the Brewers, three against the Astros, and I don't know if I missed anybody else. I don't think I did. Crucial, 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 crucial time for the Boston Red Sox. But what do you guys think? Who are we going to see in the next month from the Red Sox between now and the next 33 games? including the trade deadline at the end of all that on August 2nd. What team will we see from the Boston Red Sox? Will we see the 9-21 and team from the beginning of the season? Or are we going to see the 34-12 and team that we've been seeing for the past month, month and a half plus? I can't wait to see what you guys have to say about that or anything we've talked about in today's episode. But that is going to wrap up today's episode as I do greatly appreciate you guys downloading, listening, and enjoying on all audio-only platforms. You can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, anywhere where you can listen to your podcasts, you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. And if you're listening to this episode on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on the video. Please make sure you smash the thumbs up button. Leave any questions, comments, concerns, anything down below in the comments section as I can't wait to read and reply to those. And please also consider smashing that giant subscribe button as I would greatly appreciate the love and support but that's going to do it for this one if you guys want to reach out to me at social media it is at murph's card town on twitter facebook and instagram as well but that's going to do it for this episode i will catch you in the next one but between now and then you guys know that i love you i will always always see you Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.